0: service of Stefan
1: Ozic.
0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Living in Service podcast. It is an absolute honour to be bringing to you another conversation, another exploration into the minds of very intentional individuals. This episode is featuring none other than Sam Harvey, one who he himself admits is reducing his life down into a very intentional focus, and that being ultra running. Sam Harvey, he is a endurance athlete who has traversed into the realms where essentially only three other people have gone to in the world. He just recently set the world record in a run in Australia in the backyard style format, which basically consists of running a 6.7 kilometer loop every hour on the hour. And he did this for at least, well over four days, covering 677 kilometers. We go into and delve into the gritty details of this ridiculous feat. We talk about the eating, the rest periods, pain management, injury prevention and places essentially he had to go mentally to keep himself in that fight if that wasn't enough he ended up running another 40 plus laps only 10 days prior in another auckland new zealand backyard style based down in christchurch this man is on a tear and we had the privilege of learning a type of focus and commitment one must have for seeking out such tasks in the conversation there is a moment where I sort of choked up uh you'll soon find out when watching um this and listening to it um but yeah it was very out of the blue and uh I'm not going to apologize but just to preface that yeah there is that moment and you know these things do happen and it's definitely the last thing I expected um I also definitely definitely don't want to gloss over the fact that this is the first video uh, recording of the podcast and i'd like to give a big shout out to point in studios um, for making this happen and the mastermind behind the camera Old benji uh, for the camera work the production and editing of this episode this is going to be the new approach and new method moving forward of this podcast and how i'll be aiming to bring it to you guys to get a more visual experience of these conversations. So strap up and enjoy the convo. And one last thing I'd like to give a quick shout out to So Well It's my coaching services platform where I'm working with you to achieve your lifestyle and training goals. Whether you wish to take better ownership of your eating or you have a marathon goal. Or you simply want to understand deeper nutrition or understand deeper why movement is important in your life that is where you'll be and where we will be exploring and if you want to find out more and you want to see what it is i have to offer check out my instagram so well uh, and get in touch Um, and also just another quick pinch of your time if you have the time i would really really appreciate it if you guys would like comment review and share this episode especially in the video format I think more eyes are going to see this now because people love visuals in this digital age so feel free i'll appreciate it and it would be one of the best ways to support the movement and how important these conversations truly are so anyway that's enough from me i really hope you enjoy this conversation and you take a lot from it thank you to you sam you are a legend and i look forward to watching and seeing what's in store next Anyway, much love to you all. Keep well. Speak soon. We're away. Cool. Wow, Sam Harvey. Thank you for being here, man. Sure, brother. Appreciate you for taking the time. And I must, I can't um, kind of shoo from the fact that we're having a video. And so welcome to the first ever video episode of Living in Service. Thanks to Benji at Pointon studios but I felt I couldn't really not mention that because you're probably going to be viewing this visually and to those listening just know that there's going to be a visual component now moving forward so just to start that off it's pretty damn exciting Um, but to you Sam I firstly just want to say congratulations on what you achieved um, two times over one being basically beating a world record along with assisting Phil Gore on his world record And what less than 10 days later, winning a backyard ultra coming first. For those that don't know what I'm referring to, if you could just break down what it is, firstly, in that um, Australia backyard. Firstly, what a backyard ultra is, and what you achieved.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. So, um, so a backyard ultra is essentially an ultra marathon in a last man standing format. So, you have a six point seven kilometer loop. Uh, everybody starts that loop and has one hour to complete that loop. And if you finish fast then you get a bit of a rest and if you don't then you go straight back out but basically the way it stands is 6.7 kilometre loop, everyone starts on the hour every hour, you must finish within the hour and then you must start on the next hour. If you don't complete the loop within 60 minutes then you get kicked out, if you can't start the next loop then you're out and you basically continue like that until there. Uh, There's only one person left so the race continues uh, provided there are at least two people left in the race and you just continue looping lap after lap and yeah, once you are left with uh, only one person then that person is termed as the winner uh, or also the the only finisher and every other racer gets a, a did not finish next to their name. And uh, it's a
0: harsh, it's a harsh, funny reality. If you definitely don't want to, you want to have a good win ratio in your kind of race resume, you probably want to stay far away from backyards because even if you crest two hundred ks, and then as you say, you get two hundred and seven, you DNF.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of runners, especially like very achieved ones, where this this is the only time in their racing career mm. or it'll be the first time within their racing career that they don't finish or don't technically finish a race, which is, I guess, if you're uh, an athlete mm. that, uh, that plays with your ego a little bit.
0: Yeah. Oh, I could imagine. I could imagine it would... It could be demoralizing, but I imagine for the athlete that is wanting a... Progress that it's just like okay, well, it's just all part of that brick lane process,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, the beauty of the backyard is that it allows athletes to kind of challenge their mm. absolute limit, whether it's their physical limit or their mental limit, whichever one comes first. Uh, you're either going to win it or you're going to hit some kind of wall that prevents you from carrying on. And generally, regardless of of how good the athlete is, whether they're a novice or if they're a world class, generally speaking, that person gives up because they just have a a moment of softness and a lack of willpower and and they give up because, yeah, it's very seldom that I've seen within the sport that someone uh, can't carry on Mm. literally because their body gives up. Like, people... People's minds give up. Yeah, well before they they reach uh, reach that mark.
0: Yeah, and that's a harsh truth of it. But as you say, it does. It exposes you to that, and it forces you to come to that point where you are pushing the limit. And in your case, that's exactly what you did. Hmm. Um, you basically did something that literally you and three other people have achieved in the world as yeah. you crested over one hundred and one. Well, in your case, hundred and one in the. Belgian that reached that 101 but then in Phil's case he did an extra loop but what you two did in particular on that day if you could break that down yeah for sure world record because one thing just to kind of preface is that you went into it with um I listened to this previous podcast I can't remember an interview and you mentioned that you were going to do the world record so you went in with that as your intention
1: yeah totally so um I went into that race uh, was June 2023 uh, over in Australia? I went into that with my previous personal best, only 400 and, oh sorry 46 hours, which was 308 kilometers, mm. and went into Australia with the intention of breaking the world record of 101 hours, which would be more than double my previous personal best. But I was pretty damn confident I could do it. And yeah, I guess over the course of four days, I think it was a hundred odd other competitors uh, pulled out or bit the dust. And uh, yeah, after after 90 hours, it was just me and the Australian champion Phil Gore left in the race. And uh, yeah, we carried on, just the two of us for those last 11 or 12 or whatever it was hours and uh, yeah so I matched the world record of 101 hours and um, before being medically removed from the race and uh, then that allowed Phil to do one more lap uh, and, and hence breaking the world record by going from 101 up to 102 hours and, uh, and then that technically makes me the assist to the current world record because mm. in the backyard ultra you can only go as far as there are two people in the race and you can only go as far as the person who's termed as the assist is willing to carry the person who ends up uh, eventually winning.
0: Yeah, it's because as I was watching, I was um, following it on, uh, what is it, Dead Gully? Is it Dead Gully, is that correct? Dead, dead Cow Gully. Dead, dead Cow Gully, yeah, he mm. was the guy. Um posting the updates and it was literally like following like a reality tv show where <laughs> you're behind seeing these people going through this emotional turmoil that you can't even imagine physically mm. and you kind of get invested in that and seeing that you and Phil with was just like honestly on my way to work like yes boy like come on Nate like because I knew you wanted to get it so seeing you each lap just cresting cresting and there was periods where us about a like a couple laps, so two hours, three hours, where nothing would be updated. I'm like, "Yo, what's happening? Is it, are we still going?" And then I saw you in those. I think it would have been around ninety something, mid 90s, and I think something was mentioned about you being like under the weather, so to say. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how much did that play in? Obviously, to that goal, because I imagine already mentally you're 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 going through that process of having to like negotiate.
1: Yeah, for sure, like, what, I mean, what's that like? yeah, so, so what ended up happening was I went into the race with um, a bit of a cold, so yeah, like the Thursday, Friday prior to the race, had a bit of a cold, uh, racing on the Saturday, that progressed into, I guess, a bit of a chest infection, so I was coughing and sneezing up, big chunks of green the size of your thumb and um, yeah did that for basically all of the Saturday night and thought I was clear of that come Sunday but yeah I guess that eventually progressed into pneumonia which is what the doctor, um, he threw his stethoscope on my, on my chest uh, on the fourth day of, the fourth or the fifth day of racing and yeah he um, he said he could hear right side pneumonia or something. And uh, yeah, they basically said they wanted to pull me from the race because of that. Mm. And that was at like hour 95 or 96. And I basically said like, you're not pulling me from the race. Like, mm. I'm this close to breaking the world record. Mm. Like, let me stay here. So after a lot of negotiating that went on in the in the background, uh, they, they let me stay. But basically on the premise that I would... Help to break the world record, and then I would retire from the race.
0: Whoa! So you're at the mercy of that, essentially. Yeah. yeah.
1: So so trudged on, uh, ninety-five hour, the ninety-fifth hour through to uh, loop one hundred one hundred and one. Um, ran that hundred and first loop, and yeah, basically there was a lot of chat in the background, basically saying like, "You're done. You're crook. Like, chill out." And, um, and and save it for the world championship in October which is yeah pr- pretty much what I did uh, and yeah I guess I've had a little over a month to kind of dwell on that now and mm-hmm. yeah I yeah and in all honesty like I I regret what went down like I could have gone a lot longer yeah but I
0: regret, what went down do you mean in respect of like fully listening to them as opposed to being like, you know what, fuck yeah, I'm going to, like. Well,
1: yeah, listening to them, but I take ownership over it because essentially I was the one who presented himself in a Mm. manner that was suggesting that I should be pulled from Mm. the race. If I had have just kind of manned up and kind of put on a brave face and not Mm. kind of shown weakness then there's no reason that anyone would have wanted to pull me from the race so yeah that that's on me um but yeah retrospect I can't take away from it like (laughs) like there was a hell of a lot of victories and well
0: well you broke the world record man you know
1: exactly exactly I didn't come out on top but the way I see it like I'm actually number one in the world at the yeah. sport. Like yeah. I, I I made a couple of little mistakes but I'm not yeah. going to make those mistakes again yeah. and I went from a 46 hour or a 308 kilometre PB to a 101 hour, 677 kilometre PB and now I've had a chance to kind of swim in the deep end of the pool. Like yeah. I've had my practice and it's like cool ramp that up and repeat so yeah
0: I think people need to really like really ruminate on that fact that this man here ran 677 kilometres like think about that it's physiologically it's you 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 could argue that there's the type of person that say nah, that's it's not possible, and yet you've done this thing. And then Phil Gore, having done an extra six point seven on top of that, so you two are literally well, I guess the other two Belgiums, but you four men are in the group of something that literally only I don't think anyone's ran that distance before in in one because you could say it's 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 in one go because ultras are ran in the sense where you stop and have a meal, and they could take. Longer than the periods you have in the loop.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, yeah, there are only four of us in the world that have done that. Like, yeah. have have people run further? Yes, um, but people that are running a thousand kilometers or two thousand kilometers, they're having they're having actual breaks. Yeah. They're they're getting to sleep for hours. two, three, four hours uh, in a session where like. We have about ten minutes at the end of each hour. That's pretty much enough to eat and drink, and maybe do a clothes change mm. if you've got the time mm. to do that. But yeah, like basically, how a lot of people identify backyard ultra is is essentially nonstop running because mm. yeah, you you're not getting to stop for that long, and then you've got to be straight back up and and out there and and do it all over again every hour.
0: Mm. I'm so curious, I, d- I kind of only wanted a glance on this to start, but um, I want to get into it more depth, like, as you started to encounter the mental chatter, like, I, you, you said this real interesting thing when we caught up um, a couple weeks ago, is that the first 24 hours, or I think it might have, you might have even said the 40 hours, is kind of like a warm-up in the way, it's kind of a patient game, because you, in your mind, it's like 24 hours, this is the warm-up, you know you're going to get through, it's not a fact, that's kind of building mm. you up, so it's literally just a patience game how you sort of had to break that down, or if you did break that down, the time scale, the extent of the time on your feet that was ahead of you, how, how did you chunk away at that? Because imagine looking ahead would have killed you mentally. So how did you sort of approach that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So with these races, especially all the ones that I've run in New Zealand, in New Zealand they usually finish somewhere within the 30 to 40 hour mark. So I basically view it as the race doesn't start until you're 24 hours deep and usually for that first 24 hours I'm just bored as hell Um, because I've done quite a few of these now so Mm. it's kind of like just another day at the office except a long one. Uh, 24 hours is usually just boring and it's just, I don't know, maybe having chats with people or listening to podcasts Mm. or I don't know. Just trying to enjoy it, but yeah, generally for the first twenty four hours of one of these races, I'm bored. Uh, for the world record, it was actually for the first forty eight hours I was bored as hell, and like I was finding myself like trying to find little uh, little get out of jail cars. Mm. Like I don't want to be here. This is boring. The bulk of the work is still ahead of me. Mm. Uh, why don't we go to the beach if I pull out now mm. I could go to the beach there's a nice beach in Noosa like two hours away we could do that um, and yeah I found myself with these little just tiny little voices and you just try and block them out for a bit when you're that early in the race like the first day or two it's it's just a matter of kind of breaking it down and, and just attacking attacking what's in front of you in the absolute moment it's in front Mm -hmm. of you so not letting the bigger picture kind of yeah overwhelm you it's doing the task that's at hand and the task that is at hand is running the loop that you're in or running the mile that you're in it's like I have one job and it is to finish this loop and then when I get into race base I have one job it is to Feed myself, rehydrate myself, change clothes, cool, that's done, right. My job is to get out there on this next loop, and you just continue to do the job that it's that's at hand and do it as perfectly as you can and and then you just repeat, patience, yeah, and then it all adds up into this mammoth <laughs> thing that you look at in retrospect. Rather than at the time that you're doing it,
0: yeah, it's phenomenal. It's um, so so when it comes to the nutrition component, like you, as you say, you have to rinse, repeat, go. You check into your home base. You have that little intermission window. How does it work calorically? Because <coughs> for those listening, uh, listening and watching, is that um, your your body can only really take in about two to three hundred calories per hour, and Really, ideally, you want to be taking in like 500,
1: 600 calories per hour because you're always going to be in a deficit. But you can't, for sure.
0: Like, h- how do you sort of combat that and approach that?
1: I mean, the beautiful thing is that like you are made of calories. Yeah. Like yeah. you're, you're made of fat and muscle and, and glycogen and all these other things that your body burns as a fuel source. So essentially, like. There's no way that you're going to be able to get on board as, as, as much as you're burning. So you're just trying to top up, top up, mm. top up throughout the race. Um, and, and basically the, the way that I run it is I'm consuming roughly half a litre of fluid each hour through a soft flask. In and what
0: form is is that? Just water, electrolytes.
1: So generally, I'm not going to drink water at all during the race unless I've like kind of fatigued my palate, like burnt my mouth to the point where I just want fresh water. Generally, I'm going to be having a sports drink, which will be like uh, Vita Sport or Pure or Morton or whatever, and at least that way I'm getting carbohydrate through my through my uh, through my liquid. And and I'm also getting salts, Mm. so I don't cramp. Mm. And uh, yeah, so generally that's going to provide me with anywhere from like 25 to 60 calories, uh, grams of carbohydrate per hour. And then on top of that, I'm going to be eating. and, Mm. And that varies from bananas and fruit and watermelon to actual meals to burgers or pasta or whatever I can get down, what, whatever seems nice at the time or it might even just be lollies mm. and that's every hour, trying not to miss any hours and if I do miss an hour then I don't miss the following hour okay. mm.
0: Do you take food with you when you go out onto the run or is it generally you eat it in the moment of your
1: um, intermission? So yeah, I, I have my own particular system which seems to be different to a lot of people is, mm. is I treat the race base as a pit stop and that's exactly what it is. I am changing out. I am. I'm getting five hundred of fluid on board. I'm doing all my eating, and then that way, when I'm going out on my next lap, I don't have to carry anything okay. with me, and it means I'm not. I don't have that added weight, and so that added energy expenditure from carrying things. But uh, towards the end of the race, maybe if. I just can't stomach like five hundred mil of fluid along with food along with whatever if I can't stomach that all within the space of ten minutes, then yeah I will um I'll take a vest out with me and then and then that way i've got my fluid easy accessible and and I've got some food that I can access uh during the loop
0: how did you approach any uh gastro issues
1: yeah, so I'm normally pretty alright um but with the with the world record race over in Aussie mm. um it Always was on incredible. the on the Saturday night so the first night of the race slash uh early Sunday morning um I started getting uh, a bit of like gastro distress which was I was pretty quick onto it and and that was just I'd had too much carbohydrate I'd basically I'd been eating like ninety plus grams of carbohydrate per hour and i just I'd gotten too keen like i was I was eating too much while I could eat and essentially, I don't think I was digesting it fast enough, so I was going into into my lower gut and then it was breaking down there and and then just giving me um gas mm. and and then yeah that that blew up and I figured, okay.
0: Literally blew up.
1: Yeah. yeah, so I just reduced my carbohydrate intake mm. and figured three, four hours. Eventually, this will pass, and yeah, that passed, and then I carried on with my race. Uh But yeah, there are other people out there who, literally, that problem um, was was the end of them.
0: It's it's a problem for a lot of. I've been following a lot of endurance athletes, from triathletes to. Um, the swimmers, and in our case, ultra running like that, it's something that it's, it's it exposes you, and it breaks down a lot of people. Mm. It's, mm. So, <clears throat> with like, do you just getting into the weeds here? I just think it's, it, it adds to what you've done. I want to go into the um, mental side, obviously, but with the physiological side, taking in the food, do you, did you have your macros mapped out, like? Yeah, it's literally just eat food fest yeah. every time you come come yeah. to base.
1: Like F- Phil who <laughs> I was racing with, he has everything mapped out like mm. like he has the volumes and what meal and what time and what day and what t-shirt he's wearing with what set of shorts and what he's drinking. Everything's mapped out. Mm. Me I think my strength is probably just being a bit of a chameleon like i yeah. i just adapt on the go throughout the race i ride the wave when problems present themselves to me i figure them out in the moment and 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 thus yeah i i eat what is appropriate or what what feels good at the time sometimes you want savory sometimes you want sweet sometimes you don't want to drink uh, a sugary drink so you have water instead and yeah it's just a matter of kind of adjusting and balancing throughout and I mean at the end of the day we kind of know how much carbohydrate or how much how many calories or how much salt is in in whatever thing that I'm taking on on board so it's just uh yeah, basically taking on the appropriate amount each hour so I'm not uh, overloading myself or I'm not uh, under fueling as well.
0: Yeah it's fascinating so I want to get into the point where as you started you said the first 48 hours it's kind of another day in the office as you say so it's a patience game, patience game all throughout. Where when that voice became a little louder, and you had to really negotiate with yourself, if ever, but I'm curious when, if that did and when that did happen, what's that process like? Do you have a mantra? Do you have a motto? Do you just blanket out with music? Do you listen to music? What What's that sort of? Yeah, for like? sure.
1: Yeah, I I think the first two days where I was bored, and yeah, I guess I was getting like little pains because like regardless of how far you run in one of those things once you're 24 or 30 plus hours deep like things start to hurt like muscles start to ache you might get a little bit of cramping certain tendons flare up uh, yeah old injuries come back to to haunt you all, all, all of that and it was during those first two days that like I don't know, occasionally something would hurt a little bit more uh, acutely and I'd be like, oh, shit, what's that? And you focus on that and start to ask yourself the question like, oh, is is this going to be what ends my race? And so there was a little bit of that for the first couple of days but I just basically brought myself to the fact that it's like, you've done the training there's not many people in the world that have done the level of training that you've done specifically for what you are doing right now. It's like your body is in like the best condition it could possibly be for this race. So the only thing that's going to let you down at this point is your mind. So don't muck it up. Like just <laughs> get get the job done. Like if you give up at this point, if you... If, if you give up in the first 24 hours, the first 48 hours or, or in the last 100 hours, if I give up, then every little thing leading up to this point has been for nothing because I've come here with the intention of breaking the world record. They've put us here on a course that's pretty damn flat, pretty, pretty runnable. They've brought a whole heap of good athletes to one spot in order to break the world record, to, to give a good le- level of competition, so we can perform as high as we possibly can. Don't don't let your softness be the thing that uh, betrays mm.
0: everything everything else. Very very matter of fact. So that that's a big big way you approach it. It's very matter, matter of fact, blunt to yourself, honest. Sounds
1: very honest. Yeah, and I mean. Sorry Um, Yeah Honesty is I I guess Mm. Pretty key Mm. And being accountable in the moment
0: Yeah I think that's something That's huge This in itself For us to summarise Talking to someone like yourself It is I think that's the biggest thing that we can all take from that is just being honest, you know, with, with self, with your capacity. Like, I think we're very quick to, uh, as human beings, especially in this day and age, is to cut ourselves short, mm. whereas being honest demands you to be like, well, I actually probably could wake up at 5am tomorrow to get that run in. I probably could go talk to my boss to ask for that pay rise. I probably could leave that job because it's bringing me misery oh in order to do that it demands me taking more responsibility and then boom 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 you start to open this pandora's box of potential and capacity and Mm. what you're saying i feel that's just a real thing that's echoing is that honest inventory self-talk and it sounds positive somewhat what happens when it's negative how do you Approach it in that in the, in the context of this race in particular.
1: Um, I didn't, I didn't have any negative self talk in this race in particular. Mm. So the hundred and one hours was actually, I mean, whilst it was very hard, it was very much within my wheelhouse. It wasn't until I went to the race a week later in Christchurch and did the 43 hours where I won where I experienced a lot of negative self-talk. Like that that 43-hour race in a lot of ways was harder than the 101-hour race mm. uh, because effectively like I was going into it and the wheels were already wobbling off. Like I... I was going in there very much compromised and by the second day of racing in Christchurch I was stuffed like I got a little bit too keen in the first 24 hours I got a bit cocky I was running too fast and then come the 24 hour mark I was like oh I'm stuffed like I am I'm out of gas and I thought hmm you silly bastard you've gotten too keen and and you've gone all out, and you haven't kind of left anything in the reserves, and yeah, you've you've kind of you've robbed yourself of a, probably a, a pretty easy victory. And I was like, shit. But I could still uh, I could still finish loops. I could still start loops, and I could still finish loops. And I figured, you know what? you're not going to finish this race, you're not going to win this race but what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep you out here and torture you all day so you learn the lesson of not getting too cocky in a race again and so that's basically what I did for, for all of the second day uh, in Christchurch was I just hated on myself, I just beat the shit out of myself intentionally and, and then all of a sudden there was a lot of negative self-talk, it was you cocky arrogant bastard you deserve to lose this race and just I was running slash walking around the forest just screaming at myself
0: interesting so it's like a negative self talk that's not demanding to be like oh quit you fucking quick but like yo I'm you're 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 a you're a what, what the word you use you're a foolish you're foolish and cocky for coming into this so quick so I'm gonna give you more suffering. It's it's different. I wasn't. I would have expected that because I think normal person would be like the self-talk, negative self-talk would be, oh, quit, 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 get out of this. What are you doing here? It sounds like you're one. You were still willing and committed to go through that suffer fest, mm. but it was like a, almost like an objective higher self person saying that you can still do this, but I'm gonna psychologically make you suffer more by not letting you stop almost it's interesting absolutely that makes, yeah that's kind of what i'm getting
1: yeah like i i was basically of the mindset of i've stuffed this up i'm not going to win this race and i'm not going to do this crazy crazy back to back break the world record and then a week later win this race which i was like oh that would have been awesome. Like people, people, people would have t- taken notice of that. But you had to go and fuck it up because mm, you because you got too keen and too cocky. And it's like, you know what? You don't deserve to have that victory. So I'm just going to punish you anyway. And that's what it was. And it was punish, 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 punish. Like that Sunday sucked. It was like the most miserable running slash walking I've ever done. I was yeah. I wasn't enjoying life and and all the negative self-talk wasn't like me trying to coax myself into winning it was just like you know what you need to learn a lesson and I'm going to make sure you learn learn the lesson because I'm just going to whip you all day until eventually your body gives up and then you can't run anymore and it was just I guess a byproduct of that that I ended up winning that race because yeah by the time I'd hated on myself and, and made myself loop and just punish myself all day it came into the afternoon it was like oh there's only five of us left and you know what like we're pretty close to the evening and people don't like running through the night people don't like running through the second night especially after they've run through one night already I was like you know what let's let's just win this mm. and so that that's when my mindset changed mm. It's
0: interesting because people would hear this and be like, "Why not just quit? What? What are you doing to us? So, what is that in you? What's that in you? Because I, I think I kind of get it, because having done them. But I imagine people would just be saying like, well, what are you doing? You know, where does that come from? Or how do you how do you even?"
1: I think there's probably two 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 sections to the answer on that and. And, and one for me is I believe if you can start a loop then you can finish a loop and if you finish that loop then you can start the next loop and you basically keep going there should be no point in time where you pull out of the race through decision alone, through your, through your mind being too weak because yeah these things are painful, they suck but that's what ultra marathons are. They're they're not there to to be all easy and comfortable. Like they are there to push you to your physical and mental limits. And yeah, if you if you give up through decision, then yeah, that's that's weakness. And that's that's yeah. I I want to go until I physically cannot like if if my body gives up on me and i collapse out on course and i can't complete a loop then perfect i have pushed myself to my absolute limit and i've achieved i've achieved that that wall if you if you pull out of the race prior to that then you haven't achieved achieved that like you haven't gone as far as you physically could and and that's essentially what i'm what i'm seeking yeah
0: how did this begin like were you? was this capacity in you as a young man, young boy, did this come over time, did you always have this sort of capacity, how did, how did this begin for you?
1: Yeah good question um, I've actually been thinking about that quite a lot recently and I think it comes down to, I think I have what I call the fuck you gene mm. it's like I I'm, I'm here to prove you wrong I've been proving people wrong my whole life um, I mean shit like I wasn't I, I shouldn't have been alive technically like like I was like I don't know 10 seconds away from being stillborn wow. and like from birth I've just been giving a big middle finger to anyone who who would doubt me like um, what happened there? Uh, shit born? doctor too oh big wow. to be pulled out I don't know, don't talk about it too much at home, but yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I'm grateful you're here, man.
1: Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then like since then, just, I don't know, bullied all through primary school, bullied all through high school, and then like even since I've been in like the professional workplace, I've had like professional targeting because I guess I'm a high achiever Mm. and New Zealand has tall poppy syndrome or tall, po- tall, tall poppy culture. And when you stick your head too high, you get your head cut off. And so, yeah, all throughout my life, I've had people shitting on me. And has it been a natural factor within me, or has it been something that I've kind of adapted because of the world that I've been living in? Mm. I'm like, you, you tell me. One thing And I'm gonna And I'm gonna Tell you the other Like I'm gonna If you tell me I can't do something Then I'm gonna bend over Backwards To make sure I I do achieve That thing And Yeah I guess That has Eventually got to the point Where it's like I've always been told That I'd I'd never be a professional athlete It's like (laughs) Challenge accepted Great Game on Oh here you are now here I am and I've been told that like I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that within the sport like like you'll never be a professional backyard ultra runner which I mean it's totally fair statement like like backyard ultra is a very niche sport within a niche sport and yeah, yeah that's so true only like only 18 months after the First person told me Oh you'll never be able To be professional Within the sport Like here I am Done it Tick Nice Give me another one
0: So Where did the Backyard Well Bring it back More running Where did that First begin for you Because with that Mentality you just said That fuck you mentality Which I love And I advise To those that are Willing to do the work Because it requires work And it requires Accountability Mm. Uh, where did that begin the running process
1: yeah for sure so I mean like I feel like running is more or less a part of everyone's life like if you've got two legs and two feet and you're not totally crippled like you can run Uh, running's probably always kind of been there in the background especially as like a a fitness exercise for keeping fit for, for for various sports and I guess through high school my main sport was rugby from like yeah the age of 13 onwards and I guess the rugby kept me fit and then there was a, a sprinkling of running around the block um yeah that that kept me fit uh living in the middle of nowhere I'd I'd either run places or I'd bike places to to kind of to see friends or or even rent a movie out or whatever and yeah I guess that progressed, it was probably about my last year of high school and yeah I was I was single, I didn't have too many hobbies apart from rugby and seeing friends so yeah I'd just go to the gym and I'd run and I got really fit for, for that and that probably led on to the next few years of yeah university and playing rugby and doing the odd duathlon and, and maybe doing some weird little running race but um, yeah, I guess I've always been doing cycling and rugby and, and a bit of running to keep fit and then it was about 2016 when I moved to the US to play and coach rugby, uh, I think I did a, like a 5k while I was over there and then the following year I was living in Ireland uh, and I did a couple of, I did a few 5k's while I was there, and I was doing pretty good, I was getting like first, second, third podium, winning a winning a bit of money, which was pretty cool, and uh, yeah, then natural progression from that was I I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be a polyathlete, so I like, I wanted to be a triathlete, I wanted to be Skydiving and uh, doing triathlons and duathlons and and downhill mountain biking and and just excelling at all of these things. So basically, for a couple of years, I just entered every race I, I simply could, like anything. And and for quite a while there, like every weekend, I had a, had an event on. Like one week, it might be running; the next week, it might be mountain biking; uh, the next week, it might be a triathlon. And then some weeks, I'd I'd have two different events on, one on the Saturday and one on the Sunday so I was just absolutely going after it and yeah I was getting some good results but like I was also getting some pretty crap results mm. but it allowed me to kind of experiment with a lot of things um, and yeah I guess all, all roads led back to, to running like I, I think I was naturally the best at running uh, I was able to get consistently good results in that and yeah I guess... I had some good uh, role models in the form of like my dad and my great grandfather who were like amazing runners and so I guess they were kind of my inspiration for kind of chasing the running a bit more and then about yeah 2018 I did my first ultra marathon, did a 50k, won that, I broke the course record and then I was like okay, this is sick I could do this so yeah I jumped from like doing 5k races up to 50k and then I did 100k and the 100k kind of shook me a wee bit um, but yeah then not long after that did 100 mile and then not long after that I did my first backyard ultra and all of a sudden I was going from like yeah getting all right results to then like winning or podiuming in very high level races like beating very accomplished athletes and yeah for the last two years that's basically where I've just put my focus like I don't play rugby anymore I don't box anymore I don't do any of the distractions like literally I just run and I want to be the best possible runner I can be and dominate my sport in as many ways as possible and yeah all the other stuff's there but I've just parked it for now while I while I chase the running thing
0: it's a beautiful progression uh, I had no idea Polyathlete uh, that's have Been able to have all those sorts of um, uh, Physiological Benefits of Having done those sports That carry over mm. So how How easy was it for you And what can you say to this For people that do have Many things Their hands in many pies How easy was it for you To kind of select And come to That decision of to running As you said You said you Seem to excel in it the most but how easy was it and what was that process for you to decide decisively
1: yeah for sure and I guess anyone who does too many things or many things will, will understand that they spread themselves pretty thin like you've only got so much bandwidth and variably that, that that'll expand or contract but you can only really fit so many things into your life and, and do them very well and with me chasing all these different uh, extracurricular activities and all these different sporting things, I was a jack of all trades and a master of none. Like I was, I was pretty damn good at a few things but I wasn't like absolutely excellent at any, any one thing in particular and I personally was sick of just being good at stuff I wanted to be great and in order for me to be great at something, I needed to focus my time uh, more wisely and the way I saw it was rugby and boxing were two of my main main sports. I was fighting and I was playing some pretty pretty good level rugby but at the end of the day, I was pretty skinny, I was pretty tiny and got plenty of concussions to the point where yeah do I have longevity in the sport am I ever going to be a professional fighter, am I ever going to be a professional rugby player, probably not but there's something here with this running thing that I'm actually pretty damn good at that if I can really focus on I can I can get really really good at it and there's a quote that I f- go back to quite often um, on a daily basis, almost especially when I'm kind of adding or sub- subtracting things from my life, and it's um, the less things you have in life, the more ah, is that the less things you own, the more freedom you will have. So the less things I have in life, the less things that are taking my focus, the more freedom I have, and the more I'll be able to kind of really do the. Th- really Mm. uh, apply myself to the things that I am doing and yeah I'm I'm much happier for it like living a slightly more simple life without all these crazy things and spreading myself too thin so I can focus on family home running just a few simple things and yeah that's that's what running has well focusing on the running has allowed me to Mm. do.
0: Well, that's actually a question I have very bluntly, but I feel you've answered it so eloquently as, like, why do you run?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, running from the start, I guess, as a youngster, was, like, a mental health tool. Mm. It was getting out of the house. It was battling the demons. It was... It was something that I'd, that, I'd, that I'd use for that. And I still use it for that today. I mean, especially like if I haven't run for a day or two days, uh, pff, yeah, I'm not a happy person. So I, I definitely uh, use, use my running as an outlet. Um, running nowadays, I guess, I've kind of found my purpose like my purpose my purpose is running not just for the fact that like yeah i'm a professional runner now it's more so i'm kind of painting a picture and 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 writing my own story of yeah what you can achieve in life how limitless you truly can be and i guess for the people that are maybe going through some shit that do follow my running it's just showing them like how much better life can get like if you might be dealing with some shit now but just be patient keep your head down and keep working cuz life's going to get so much better and yeah i guess i'm an example of how much better it can get and so I'm kind of like holding my torch high in the darkness for others. That's 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 my purpose now.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. You're transcending. The running's almost the um, vehicle, but the absolutely the driver of that vehicle was, you know, that's where the potency is. It's kind of just become the conduit of that truth.
1: Absolutely, it has. Mm.
0: So, yeah, I want to touch on that um, because yeah for the international listeners, New Zealand has some of the highest, uh, suicide rates, um, sorry, uh, in the world, and, um, yeah, uh, sorry, man, you're good, bro. Yeah, so with that, uh, we have these. Um, well, we need these tools, you know. We're losing so many, so many people, and um, so many men. Uh, and you, you've you've touched on this, this uh, being a tool, being a vehicle, and the importance of that. And for those people, you know, that are out there, inevitably, that are suffering. Uh, how how do you, if you are to distill it? you know, for what you're doing, you're you're voluntarily putting yourself through suffering and how do you sort of distill that? It's a hard thing to, to to ask, but I think having people sometimes need frameworks, you know, and there might be that one person right now that's watching and listening to this that is in that space. They think there's no meaning, that they're hopeless and you know, for what you're going through, not to put so much weight on it, but in a way, as you just said it, it's, it's bigger than the running now.
1: For sure. How,
0: how, how would you express that?
1: The way I look at it, uh, getting through suffering, getting through these races, I bring myself back to this one simple com- concept, and that's everything is finite. Like nothing lasts forever. Pain doesn't last forever. Discomfort doesn't last forever. Happiness doesn't last forever. This shitty thing that you're going through, whether it's emotional grief or whether it's a 700 kilometer run in the desert, this thing has a beginning and it has an end. And you've just got to survive. You've got to do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. And doing what you have to might just be surviving that moment or surviving that month or however long that uncomfortable uh, period is. And yeah, there's something... Better on the other side of it and regardless of whether you've survived it before you're probably not going to appreciate that within the moment so just get the job done survive work hard get, get through the shit that's in front of you and eventually the situation will transform to something totally different but you've you've gotta get there. Like life gets so much better, you've just gotta survive mm. until until it does. Mm. Put in the work and get yourself there.
0: Because, yeah, <coughs> yeah, it's beautifully put, man. And I think the real like raw reality of life is that, you know, fundamentally life is suffering. And I learned that from Buddha, and that's a big Tenet in Buddhism is that suffering is inevitable and that it almost seems to be that the sooner you accept it, the better. But when you're in the thick of it, you truly do, if you allow it, you truly think that it is hopeless and that it will never end. And that analogy of running, I think that's why what you're doing is so beautiful because this is a physical expression of showing that that there's a beginning and an end and mm. in the middle there's numerous... Highs and lows Mm -hmm. Probably more than you'll probably experience in a lifetime And Splitting and cutting through that And having to go through that And With with that for myself I'm such a proponent of physical movement and, And As you are yourself And how important do you think Movement is And for those that do wish to incorporate more movement into their life But firstly how important do you think movement is Is as a tool As a remedy of that
1: I think it's essential I think it's essential Yet it is It's a tool within a toolbox Mm. It is not the be all end all Yes like Exerting oneself In a cardiovascular manner Is gonna It's gonna help It's gonna it's going to increase blood flow mm. it's going to mm. increase endorphins and serotonin and all the all the good shit that flows within our bodies and within mm. our brains but it's not going to fix all the problems the the way i see exercise and movement and and the rest is it allows you to build momentum it allows you to start something and have a small victory and when you have a victory you can build on that with with further victories and and so yeah that's that's why running and cycling and and all all these different exercises has been very central within my own mental health toolbox it's because yeah regardless of how shit I'm feeling I can go out and make myself feel good at least in the moment I can get that victory and then I can build on that. It might be going for a bike ride or going for a run and then get home, feel grounded, feel good about myself and it's like, you know what, I can, I can tackle that, that next job or I can start ticking things off my checklist that when, when you look at all the things that you've got to check off, maybe it is overwhelming and so you've, you've built that little bit of, bit of momentum that's going to then allow you to start uh, doing the other uh, maybe harder jobs that you've, been, um, that you've been avoiding.
0: So discipline. Yeah. It's huge. Absolutely. So with, with your toolbox, um, how, how, how would this have changed for you or developed or has it even stayed the same? but how do you sort of approach that and what you can utilise, that mental toolbox, for you to address what you are? For sure.
1: So two key parts that I can think of off the top of my head right now, and that's uh, ownership. Mm. I am responsible for everything that happens to me regardless of who is doing what in the world, I am responsible for my experience within the world, for what's happening to me and what I'm doing in response to what is happening to me. I mean, even, even being in a shitty job with a shitty boss who treats you terribly and And you're suffering month after month, year after year it's like yeah, that boss sucks, and what they're doing might be criminal, but at the same time you're the one who's staying in that job. you are responsible for staying there and and letting letting these things happen to you, so accepting uh, responsibility, taking ownership of of what's um happening to you in life, um, another big thing is understanding what there is in the world that essentially, can I can I change this, is this within my control to change, If if it is in my control then I'm going to change it, I'm going to fix it and if it's out of my control, if I can't change that thing, don't worry about it. you worrying about something isn't going to fix the problem, it's only going to kind of poison you. If you can fix it, fix it. If you can't fix it, don't worry about it.
0: I love that. Real good answer. I think the reason that resonates for me is it's very much a framework in which I am I view the world and I think it's very practical. Um... It's quite stoic, and there's also a degree of pragmatic as well, because again it shines and echoes to the self talk you had in that um world record of that very matter of fact like self talk that direct inventory kind of taking self analysis, mm-hmm. and how much responsibility plays a role, I think this is something that is often overlooked in this day and age is that people aren't willing, very willing to take responsibility, you know, and the change thing as well. If you can't change it, well, then accept it, mm. or, or just let it go. So, use the chameleon analogy. I thought that was really well put, that when you're in those races, I've, I've kind of answered this, but this is in, in sort of a, a different direct way, that more so for the person specific to those sorts of events you could translate this out into real life in the sense that it could be used in the context of that boss situation where you've got a shitty boss and you've got to quit but when you, in the, in the um, context of a race where you have to you really do have to dig deep into that into that <laughs> lack of a better word, dungeon that mental dungeon how that's or if it has changed also for you in that process and how you could translate it to the person viewing, listening.
1: Sorry, I I have to get you to, to rephrase, rephrase. That. rephrase that as a question. <laughs> uh,
0: so essentially, again, it's a mental tool, how you would utilise that in a race where you're in that real dungeon. You mentioned the self-talk, but like... <laughs> I have to think that there's There's a process that you have to Go through Mentally, maybe there's not But people are facing this Every day, so what, what, what's A tool that you could translate To someone, you said, you said the ownership Piece um, but in, this, in the context of a race But in the context of a very uncomfortable situation People are very averse From discomfort Now as well, so I think that's a big part of it
1: Yeah for sure
0: is that is that clearer?
1: Yeah, kind of. Hopefully, hopefully, I, hopefully I <laughs> answer it uh, appropriately. I I guess in that uncomfortable situation when I want to quit or I, I want to find an easy way out, mm. I basically like I take ownership of it and. Basically come back to the concept of if you give up now every single little step every little action leading up to this point will have counted for nothing. Like getting to this, this point where you're at now whether it's a race or or whatever, like it has been a, a massive road leading up to that point, and everything has culminated in you being there in that in that moment to achieve whatever it is you've you've set out to achieve. If you give up, if you flake, if you if you don't get the job done, then literally every every event that you've put yourself uh, that you 've put yourself into whether it 's training or preparation or planning or all the all the work that you 've put in if you don't if you don 't check the box in the moment and and give it all give it all you 've got and and really achieve it then then what has everything else been for leading up to that moment? Mm. nothing
0: mm, yeah that 's great the thing. So hard to articulate. It's just there's people that don't even know the thing. Hey, eh? they don't even know that that thing is. They don't even they don't even know the thing and watch. They have the steps for that thing to get to the point where they're up against that fine line, that tightrope, and they they haven't even been even got to that point. So it's mm. it's so. That's the difficult, I think the biggest difficult thing in this life, in this era. But essentially what you said I think is, is perfect because it's really coming back to that self-talk and responsibility piece that, you know, you've, gotta, you've really just got to, sometimes there's that voice and you've really just got to look at everything you did to get to that point. And... Know that it was worth it and that you've got the capacity, and you've almost just got to turn that voice off.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you've survived everything up to now. If you give up now, then what was the point in surviving all the hardships that you've endured up to that point? Like, you have the capacities to survive this, too. It's not going to be comfortable, but you are transcending. And transcending isn't supposed to be comfortable. Like, you are not the same human being as you were at point A, as you will be at point Z. And the process in between the two points is not comfortable, but it is worthy.
0: Yeah, I think that in itself could just be a a cut people just really need a, really need to just echo on that. And it's, I think it's a thing that people don't want to hear because you've literally just got to accept that it's going to be so fucking difficult. And <coughs> this kind of leads me on to my next question and what we touched on with um, the high suicide rates of New Zealand in particular. I'm aware that you are affiliated with I Am Hope Yeah If you could break that down What is I Am Hope And what is your aims And what is your work with them
1: Yeah for sure So um, I Am Hope Is Basically like The industry leader In mental health services Here in New Zealand Uh, It's run by Mike King And basically what it does Is provides uh, Free counselling To youths in New Zealand And yeah, I've been uh, I've been an ambassador for them for for the last couple of months. Uh, teamed up with them, leading into the world record race, and said I wanted to raise a bit of coin for them, and they said awesome. And yeah, I set a target of ten thousand dollars in four weeks, and I thought that was kind of pushing it. And yeah, I guess I got a hell of a lot of support um, through the world record race and and then afterwards and yeah i hit my 10 grand and then i hit 20 grand and yeah uh i'll continue to raise for them and i guess spread awareness within within the mental health sector and yeah i mean i'm i'm raising money for them so they can put it to good use and and pay for pay for counseling for 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 young ones in new zealand so they have people to talk to to kind of uh i guess help help fix some of the problems or at least be a, be a voice when when they need to be heard and yeah and then i i guess i'm i'm shining my light through running in, in the mental health space because essentially what i did was as a young person who was maybe going through some shit times and in another life might have seen a doctor or a counselor and been put on antidepressants or whatever. Instead I didn't do any of that and I just ran and I just toughened up and dug myself out of the darkness. And I guess I'm lucky that I had, I don't know, good parents and good raising and my fuck you gene. And fuck yeah. Basically wasn't wasn't willing to give up. And so, yeah, I dug myself out of the darkness. But yeah, there's a hell of a lot of people that don't have the capacity or the tools to to do what I've done. And so, yeah, I'm 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 essentially helping those people and, and trying to spread the word of how to uh, mm. how, how to pick yourself up if if no one's no one else is able to help.
0: Yeah, that fuck you, Gene. Um, <clears throat> I think, like I've got this inkling that kind of goes back to the responsibility piece. I think people, I think, I think there's a people, a fair pair, fair amount of people that do have that. But again, it demands that inventory. It demands that responsibility. It demands that looking in the mirror, because again, a lot of people can probably wake up in, in the in the scheme of being a better person. They want to lose weight. Well, you just got to stop eating that cake, you know, and look at it in a real minute form. But when you put it out into macro, in a sense of mental health, that I think people forget how fucking badass, how hard, how strong they can be.
1: Absolutely. And I think in modern society, like we are beaten into shape we are beaten to the point where like you fit into a square box and me taking ownership over my own life and just saying, you know what, I don't, I don't fit into a square box. Like I have no interest in that. And so I've said, I'm, I'm doing this and get out of my way if if you think you can stop me. I think there's a lot of people that have been kind of forced into a, into a box for so long that, They've forgotten how kickass they are. They they haven't got the momentum. They haven't got the wins to kind of extrapolate from, and and, and be their own champion.
0: Mm, nicely put. What what would you say to your young self, having gone through that? What you said you went through, with what you have now?
1: Yeah. <laughs> good question. Good question. Yeah just stay strong mm. Stay strong and believe in yourself Back yourself All the way Fuck anyone who doubts you yeah. I like
0: that It's There's this part of me that I just know people would probably watch this and be like Oh That's so But uh, Sometimes it's as simple as just Really reducing it down to the mineral Fucking soil Of being it's as simple as just being like, I just fucking want this. you just got to want it. Mm-hmm. We spoke about this in the sauna session of the willingness to change, and I think that's a huge thing with this whole, mm. even in the mental health space of people going through. Because the reason, I must, I must say, I'll, 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 I'll confess here because people are going to listen to this, but unfortunately I lost my beautiful brother to suicide. And the thing that was so hard, so, 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 so hard as he forgot That's what we're saying here He forgot how strong he was mm. And the thing that was so difficult about it was It was his willingness So he forgot how strong and of a beautiful man he was First of all Because that was the first fact he was But he Because of that belief system He There was no willingness to To change essentially And that Forgetfulness of I'm actually a badass motherfucker, I can do do this. Mm -hmm. And you say this to your young self, which I think is a real great answer and very true, and I get it, but there's people that just, it's like they just won't, it's not enough for them, it's not suffice. (laughs) It's the million-dollar question, right? Because we've got such a problem of it, and and globally, particularly in New Zealand, in our own backyard.
1: Yeah, well, I think the problem in New Zealand is like we're just so isolated and we don't know how to talk so we don't know how to reach out so we 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 shoulder the load mm. on our own and and that becomes overwhelming i mean yes new zealand has a bit of a problem as far as like having having the services available like do we, do we have enough mental health workers in new zealand no um but at the same time do we have a, a systemic societal problem as far as uh owning 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 the burden and 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 not sharing yeah that's that's pretty pretty terrible within New Zealand so yeah I guess yeah having having the strength to reach out is a a massive one and yeah and talk or find if you don't have someone that you can talk to, it's finding the the person that you can talk to. I mean, like, yeah, you might have a a circle of twelve people, and 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 none of them you can talk to. But <laughs> expand the circle, change the circle. Then if 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 there's no one, if there's no one that you can talk to, if there's no one that can help you repair, and you don't have the capacity to do silly shit like me and and fix fix most of it yourself, then yeah, find the person that can share the load with you.
0: Mm. I think people as well they they th- they expect that that once you know you got to talk and you begin to talk that it's kind of smooth as well. Mm. I think that's a huge misconception.
1: Yeah. And and the problem is like a lot of people think that like they are a burden yeah. by sharing their load yeah. when you ask fucking anybody and they're gonna say, I'd much rather you call me up at one in the morning for a chat than I find out you've done something terrible and I never hear from you again. Like Yeah. Like people are always willing to share the load with you. You aren't a burden and and, and a lot of us need to realise that. We mm, like, really do. Mm.
0: We really do. So, with that saying I'm very curious with this um, being an ambassador for I am Hope. So, is this something for every race moving forward? You get together some sort of uh, fundraise page, and is that is that the process each event moving forward, or how, how does that expand for you?
1: I yeah, I th- I think it's a it's going to be a long term relationship. Yeah, great. and yeah, I mean. Am I am I raising money for them? Yes. Uh but more so I think am I an advocate for mental health through sport. Yeah, that's that's kind of the big thing. Yeah, uh right. kind of spreading the word and changing the conversation and helping to improve our societal and systemic uh mm. Insufficiencies mm. That we have here in New Zealand mm. And probably Further abroad mm.
0: Yeah So In terms of Now The the, the question You probably get often um, How is this going to progress For you now You've got the world champs Coming up So Talk about that a bit What's What's the aim I guess we can Everyone Watching and listening Can probably Guess what your aim will be, but yeah, bro. What's that uh, like now,
1: so I've got no training up, oh, no, lots of training, <laughs> lots of training, um, no racing between now and October. I've got my my world championship race in October, and I've basically just got my head down training for that because I've been like, I think it's like six or seven months, I've been racing uh, ultra marathons basically back to back, so I'm just having like a bit of a rest now. And uh, yeah, October World Championship, uh, break the world record again, and do some hectic, hectic running. Like I'd say, we'll probably provide provided everyone's there and conditions are right, and everyone wants to throw down. Who who wants to throw down? I'd say we'll break a thousand kilometers, which will be wild. So that'll be like 130 something hours or more which will be crazy and uh, yeah then fly back to New Zealand a week after that, I've got a small backyard ultra uh, down in Arrowtown that I think I'm going to, I've just been selected for the New Zealand 24 hour team for the world 24 hour champs in Taiwan in December and yeah yeah i i'm not sure if i really want to go to that because like road ultra is just another beast on the road yeah it's like a two kilometer loop and you've got Uh, 24 hours to just run as far as you can like no loops just you just like no stopping you just you just run for 24 hours and see how far you can run and i have really hurt myself in that format of racing before like the worst injuries that I've ever done in, in running have been. It's
0: just the uniformity, it's just completely like you're more prone, which people that don't understand running, they'll think, what, you'll probably get more injured on trail, but nah, nah.
1: Nah, I mean like Road Ultra, 24 hours, you're using the same muscle groups, it's the same range of motion, it's the same everything, like I've torn my hip flexor, I've like split the cartilage on the head of the femur, like I've done all sorts of nasty injuries and in that type of racing so yeah I got the world championship for that if I accept the invitation and um and then yeah like moving into next year Tarawera 100 mile uh the Barkley and a whole heap of other silliness that's Ooh. just gonna kind of take on a life of its own yeah great
0: yeah awesome I'll provide all the links oh, I presume Sam Harvey on Instagram. Yeah, so uh,
1: Sam Harvey Cloudlander on Instagram and then um, and then for my direct website it's uh SamHarveyUltra.com.
0: Yeah, cool, cool. And also I've got another a couple of questions regarding um I forgot to ask and I think it's real like overlooked as the sleep. You know, did you encounter many hallucinations, or was that process like with sleep deprivation?
1: Um, I've had hallucinations with ultramarathon in the past. I, as a rookie, would lean into that, like I really wanted the the free hallucinations that came with um, with came with ultra distance running, and so I'd lean into that, and then you kind of go off the deep end and you and you lose your mind a little bit. Uh, now I kind of control all of that like I don't want to hallucinate because I want to be in control throughout the race yeah. I keep control of my nutrition so I'm not kind of starving my brain yeah. of nutrition or fluid or whatever so it keeps functioning properly because I think that definitely speeds up uh, you losing your mind a wee bit and yeah like I'm I'm very much in control throughout the race uh, sleep deprivation I mean like three or four plus days in it gets pretty pretty ruthless to the point where like you're so sleep deprived at that point that all you need to do is close your eyes and you pass out like like you close your eyes and you are asleep instantly so um yeah that was that was something, but it didn't become too much of a factor, probably just the the fact that I was like totally exhausted to like the core of my soul I was tired like I've never been so tired in my life
0: so following that because my experience of running ultras is that especially big ones is that your nervous system is so jacked up that you would think that you can just have restful sleeps I don't know what it was like for you but for me um it was so broken for a few days what was that like for you coming off the world
1: record um Off the world record, yeah, I think I I was sleeping pretty good, but at the same time, uh, you'll wake up in pain. Yeah. Like, you'll wake up in a hell of a lot of pain. So I think it was for probably a week after the race, I was taking painkillers before I went to bed, and then if I woke up in the middle of the night, I might take painkillers again Mm. because, like, you've worn out the soles of your feet and all of your tendons and your ankles and your knee joints and your hips, every everything that moves within your legs has been just absolutely destroyed and so all of that's worn out and as a result, like, it hurts and it aches and, yeah, it's pretty unbearable at times and so, yeah, for a few nights I would uh, I was taking painkillers after the race uh, but also waking up from yeah a lot of broken sleep because obviously you've given your body a caning Uh, it's trying to process all of this I guess dead material or poison or whatever is within your body so you're getting up and peeing like six times during the night sometimes because your body's just flushing all of the bad stuff from the system
0: misery on top of the misery well Sam honestly brother I thank you um, there's a lot in here. I'm really looking forward to listening back to this it's uh, been a pleasure one, one final question is to the person that honestly they're willing to do the work I'm not talking to the person that's on the couch because this is for that person this conversation but for the person that Just has that piece of doubt, but they're willing, they're willing to take that first step, whether it be running, whether it be going forth to do that audacious thing that everyone in their family or everyone in their friend group said, no, 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 that fuck you Gene. what would you say to that person?
1: Just get started. Yeah. Like there's never a right time to do anything. Just get started and have the courage to fail. And have the courage to fail miserably and then get up and build from that because if you start and fail early and build and improve, eventually you're going to succeed and you're going to win and even dominate provided you are willing to put in the work. Well said, Sam. Great.
0: Well, that's all from me and Sam. Thank you for that. I will provide all the links and um, is there Iron Hope uh, fundraising option at the moment that's open?
1: Uh, I Price. don't have one raising at the moment, uh, but yeah, there will be there will yeah. be stuff if yep. people uh, link up through my website or through Instagram. Great. And um, yeah, I'll probably just do a shameless uh, sponsor plug. Um, yeah, thanks Great. to. Uh, Curran's New Zealand who are providing me with the purple capsules to yeah, allow me to uh, recover and perform at, at, at the higher level, uh, to Base Woodfire Pizza who have been my sponsors since day one down in Christchurch and uh, Off-Piece Provisions who are providing me with uh, plant-based jerky basically to just, just to allow me to have that uh, added protein supplement within uh, within my training regime so I'm building and recovering and performing consistently and uh, yeah, cheers.
0: Love you all. Thank you for listening and taking the time and please, when you've got the time, reach out to Sam, look into uh, I Am Hope, all the work he's doing there and all the work that I Am Hope are doing and please like, share and subscribe to the podcast because there's plenty more of these visit videos to be coming and I'm excited to see the space grow. Thanks a lot, Sam.
1: Tia Been a pleasure.
0: Well, folks, how did we go? How was that conversation? What did you think? Did you enjoy the video component? I'd love to know and love to hear what you thought about that because, as I said, this is going to be the next frontier of this podcast and the new approach as to where we're going to be taking it Uh, I'd love to hear what you thought as well about Sam and the conversation we had and the points he brought up there was so many moments in the conversation where I was just really really engaged and impressed with how he was able to deliver and synthesize and articulate the mindset and where his mind had to go in order to achieve what he achieved a big thing that really stood out for me um it was kind of near the end where he said that it's never the right time to do that thing that you must do it's never going to be the right moment you're never going to feel like it it's never going to feel right so i think that in itself is something that we can all take away from this conversation is that whatever it is that's holding you back whatever it is that you're holding off till tomorrow you're not going to miraculously feel like doing it you're not miraculous, you're gonna feel like it's gonna be the right time and you're gonna have all the energy in the world to do that thing. Just do that thing, because it's calling you. We all have callings in our lives. Some louder than others, but some are quite suppressed or are clouded in insecurity and fear and pain. But that's okay, we all have different varying degrees of this, so that was something I'd like to kind of echo back. And again, I thank Sam for the time, for his energy, for his wisdom and to you for listening watching as i said in the intro please like share review comment let me know i'd love to see and hear what it is you thought about the conversation and if you have any guest ideas or people you feel that i should explore and talk to just reach out to me i'm a quiet impressionable guy i'm not going to bite and who knows the person you suggest might be the next big guest who will most likely blow my mind off their wisdom. So anyway, thank you all for listening and tuning in. Thank you again to Point and Studios and none other than Benji for the recording, mastering, editing of this video. Reach out to Point and Studios, I'll add the links in the bios for their production setup and needs and To you all, keep well, keep moving, and let me know how this went. I thought it was an amazing convo, and there's plenty, plenty, plenty more to come. Much love to you all, keep well, and speak soon.